listening to a message from Red Church in Melbourne, Australia. If you'd like to know more about Red or its ministries, please go to redchurch.org.au. Well, it's wonderful to be with you today and open God's word. So let me pray. Father, we thank you for revelation for your word that you speak to us. We just uh, pray that as we open your word now, as we interact with your living letter of love to us, uh, that it speaks into our heart, that your Holy Spirit will illuminate our minds. We ask this in your name. Amen. We are in the midst of a series, and this series is called The Unveiling. And this series is looking at the book of Revelation, which is one of those books of the Bible which often people fear to tread, not just in reading, but even preaching. Um, It's filled with all kinds of symbology and big themes. But I believe that as part of God's Word, this is not a book to, you know, fearfully tread around, that actually it's a book to dive right into. And I believe there's a particular resonance that this book has for the moment that we're in. The name for our series, The Unveiling, comes from the title of the book of Revelation. And in the Greek, revelation means apocalypse, a word that conjures up all meaning of sort of end of world movies, but really actually means this pulling back of the curtain, a revealing of things which are hidden. And as we've been sort of moving through this series, we've seen this pulling back of various curtains. John, who wrote the book of Revelation, found himself on an island, uh, marginalized for his faith as the Roman Empire pushed back on Christianity, instigating a reign of persecution and terror against the people of God. John was a figure which they did not want to make a martyr of, most likely, so put him on this island. But in this confined space, uh, away from, you know, I guess the means of operating as he usually could, he's enabled then to have this incredible message. And this message reveals who Christ is in the midst of the crisis. That's what we looked at last week, that the revelation that the people of God get in this moment of crisis of who Christ is, the ascended, risen Christ who's in charge of everything. And what I want to talk about this week is another kind of revealing. We've seen who Christ is, and in a sense, His essence, is uh, his, his personhood is revealed to us in new ways uh, in the book of Revelation, fully as He truly is. And this week, we're going to see another pulling back of the curtain. To do that, I just want to read from a couple of verses and a little detail which you may skip over. So we're going to turn to Revelation chapter 1. And we're going to look at verse 19 and 20. Revelation uh, chapter 1, verse 19 and 20. And this comes after this description of Jesus. Write, therefore, what you have seen, what is now, and what will take place later. The mystery of the seven stars that you saw in my right hand. This is Jesus speaking. And of the seven golden lampstands is this. The seven stars are the angels of the seven churches and the seven lampstands are the seven churches. What is happening here is we're transitioning from this image of this cosmic Jesus, the risen Jesus who rules the universe from the right hand of God and who is bringing heaven down to earth. And this really interesting detail where that sort of vision of Jesus now breaks into the reality of these seven churches 
who were receiving this letter from John. And so we see, this is where we see heaven breaking down into earth. And so what I want to talk about today is what the book of Revelation reveals to us about who the church really is. We now are well into the pandemic. And in a sense, the first part of the pandemic is over. Here in the state of Victoria, we now have some areas that have been moved back to uh, higher levels of restriction and lockdown. And some of you may be in some of those areas watching with us now, where other parts of Melbourne, we're still able to move around a bit more than some areas. And we've seen the virus uh, sort of rear its head again in some of these areas. Uh, Victoria was looking in a really good place, but we've had you know, a bunch of cases, still very good compared to the rest of the world. But what it's shown us is this is a marathon, not a sprint. This is a process, not an event. And just there's a sense now where this thing is something that we're truly living in. This is not something that has just going to go away and just be part of that very hyper quick news cycle. And I thought at this moment, as we dig into what is God telling his church in the book of Revelation and how that could relate to us now, I want to return to somewhere where we visited in the early part of the pandemic. As when we went on to our online service, um, not many weeks in, we did an interview with Terry Walling, who's been a great friend of Red. Uh, we had Terry Walling out a couple of years ago to share with us. And Terry gave this interview um, and we played it in the service and lots and lots of people found it really helpful. We put it up on YouTube and thousands of people have watched it. And it was really interesting because I felt like what Terry did was help us understand spiritually how we are to process through uh, a time like a pandemic and how God could speak to us in a moment like this. But I've been reflecting back to that interview. For my own life, I felt I actually had to revisit it and actually re-watched it this week. And one thing that dawned on me was that the first time I watched it as the pandemic in a sense was new and there was this sense of unknownness around the pandemic and it felt like this huge event into which all of us were swept up into, that Terry said some really important things that actually now have more relevance and resonance in my life in the midst of a pandemic. And Terry said some really key things to us as a church in that video and that interview. And reflecting back on it, I felt like when I heard it the first time, and I wonder whether this is actually true for many of us as well, it was a theory. But what was a theory is now our lived reality. So what I would love to do is I just want to return to a part of the interview where Terry talks about what the church can learn, what we can learn in the midst of a pandemic. just want to play one response to one question, and then we're going to come back after this. And have a think, if you saw it the first time, um, have a think how different this feels now and how much truer this feels now. And we're going to play it right here. This is a profound um, moment of crisis for the world. Unbelievable. Um, yep. Yep. And, and it's a, uh, also an opportunity in the midst of the crisis. Um, right. What are some of the opportunities, you, opportunities that you see for us as believers um, in the midst of a moment like this? Yeah, well, one of the general characteristics of a time of transition is 
the fact that we can't go back, but we don't know which way forward. And it creates this time of uncertainty, even a time of isolation. And what typically happens is that, you know, all of us uh, don't like those moments. And so we want to kind of actually get out of them as quick as we can. But the reality is, if you look back on many, many years of how God shapes leaders, even biblically, how he's been shaping leaders uh, historically, and even today, you begin to discover something. We want out of transitions, but God wants in. And God uses these in-between moments to do things he could often never do, and not because of him, because of our response, um, without being in a time of transition. So one of the things that, that is actually good, even about a time of transition, is the ability to actually have him refine us and take us to a new place deeper in our dependency on him. And what that tip typically yields is a greater authority to minister for him. And so the very thing we resist sometimes is actually the very thing he is trying to do to align us with him and be able to grant us more of his presence. And so while I don't like this moment and you don't like this moment and all those listening don't like this moment, in reality, this could be a moment in time where God does some of his greatest work because personal renewal precedes and leads to corporate change. And that truth is this. If we're going to go to a new place as a church, he needs to take us to a new in our dependency on him. So part of the, the, the axiom I've, I've taught people with transition is instead of resisting it, move toward it, lean into it and actually get all you can out of a transition. Because almost just like you see with this virus, they come to an end. And when they come to an end, we have what we have. And we have the work we've allowed God to do in each one of our lives. Terry there is talking about how God uses transitions and how we resist transitions. And when I watch that, I realize there's an element where I, in a sense, particularly in the last few weeks, has almost wanted to resist the transition. There was a stage a couple of weeks ago where, you know, we saw New Zealand had eradicated it. Um, the pandemic and we're opening things up and people are turning up to rugby games. And there was this hope like, hang on, Australia's almost there. And then we have this outbreak again. And I think when that happened, you know, I was already in my mind speculating like, wow, you know, when could we meet again in person? And then this sort of other setback. And there's this sense like, man, I don't want to learn this lesson. I just want to, in a sense, go back to as things were. The first time I watched that, I was thinking about other people. Complete confession, I was probably thinking about, yeah, the other people who are not going to process this well and want to go back to things before. But now, how many months in we're in now, I found myself in the same position. And I believe many of us at this point are getting to the point like, man, there's an element where we've had enough of watching it like this. This is helpful, but we'd love to meet again. We'd love to be able to return to what life was like before. And there's a particular challenge that I think is emerging at this point for us as a church. The first couple of months, it was like, let's just do live stream. Let's get through this. We can connect with people on Zoom. But it's like the challenge is really arising now. And as Terry said, in these transition moments, this is essentially where God speaks to us and can actually take us to another level if, and I want to underline if, if we 
learn the lessons of this moment. And I am reflecting this week on there is a lesson to be learned as I read the book of Revelation over what is the true nature of church and what we really believe that who the church is. And I realize that our real settings, in a sense, are being revealed. In a crisis, people's character is displayed. And at this moment, what is unique about this moment in the history of the church is some of the things which may be key elements of the church that are not even bad in of themselves, yet we have a tendency to see simply as the church have been pulled down. There are people who I've spoken to from a variety of backgrounds and every different almost denominational church background at the moment is having the thing that they value the most restricted in this time. I've spoken to Catholic friends and people who come from churches which are highly liturgical, for whom the communion is absolutely a key part. It's almost the reason they come to church. And in those traditions, they don't feel comfortable doing communion like we do in our homes. So for them, they can't do communion like they normally do. They can't celebrate the Eucharist like they normally do. That is held back for them at this moment. Other churches which absolutely love the preach word, they gather around the preach word every week and open up the word of God, exegete it and preach it to people, preach the gospel. They're able to do it in a way like this. But when you talk to my friends like this, it still doesn't feel the same as when you're preaching to a room filled with people. Other people who, I remember having one conversation with someone who wrote me an email who is an absolute red-hot evangelist who loved just talking to people about God and going out where the people are and going and meeting them, realized that at this moment they can't do that. They're held back. I think of someone else uh, I know who loves social justice and loves being hands and feet out in the community and set up a whole response Um, to their community, but actually then the local area, because in their particular context that they're in, there's a high, high degree of infection, hasn't been able to do that in the way that they normally would and has been hemmed back in. People who love the element of community of church, of gathering as the people of God, churches which are really built around, you know, a hundred people who love each other and know each other really well, can't meet like they usually can. Other friends who have big churches with fantastic worship, that it's, they just have a spirit of excellence and can do incredible church services, can't meet. And it's hard to replicate that on a video screen. No matter what your sort of vision of church, all the different ways in which we see church or see elements of church are being tested And all of us have a sense of restriction in this moment. Even early on, I thought we were going to make this transition to, you know, house churches where we have, you know, 100, sorry, not 100, like 20, 30 people meeting in a home. And then we went down to the five people limit or early on we're at the one person limit. And maybe we'll get back there. I don't know what the future holds. But at a moment like this, we're invited to then go beyond those things and ask the question, who is the church? And what we see in the book of Revelation is this really intriguing concept. In that second verse, it talks about these stars. And we'll see this at the beginning of chapter 2, that each of these, these stars represent these angels that are over every church. It talks about the angel of the church in Ephesus, the angel of the church in Smyrna. And what I realized is, 
often we don't think about this spiritual reality that is over a church. All of us have a mental map that we think of when we think of a church. Who is the church? It's the group of those people in that, that, that you know, gather around that community. Or it's that building. Or it's that, that leadership team. Or it's that group of elders. Or it's that board. Or it's that ministry. All of we, us have this concept of what constitutes a church. But what we see here is that when the curtain is pulled back, there's more going on than we see. Angels are messengers. In Scripture, angels are mediators. And what we see in this moment is that why there is these angels over churches tells us something essential about the nature of the church, the spiritual reality of a church. That yes, the, the, the people of God are an earthly reality, but also there's this spiritual dimension. So what is this angel? The angel of these churches is the mediator, the overlap between heaven and earth, pointing to the mission of the church to reflect heaven on earth. Church goes bad when it's just all earth. Church goes bad when it represents the value of earth and forgets this heavenly reality. And what the image of the angel does is the angel is the link between heaven and earth. And so every church then, through the ministry of this angel, is reminded of the way of heaven. And what we see too is that one of the great messages of Revelation is that who the church is, is this interface between heaven and earth. And because heaven is breaking into earth, what this means is that the church finds herself in a kind of spiritual battle. The unveiling shows us that the church finds herself in a spiritual battle as the kingdom of God breaks into the world and is resisted by the powers. So many of the things that we see in our news cycle, so many of the up a sort of surge in, in chaos and what seems constant disruption in a world, what Revelation tells us is actually the powers of the world, that which resists God, pushing back against the breaking of God into the world. And so this spiritual reality of the church reminds us that we are in a battle, that there's always a contest for the church. There's always a contest that the church finds herself in. It's a disputed area where heaven and what is happening in the kingdom of the world, in a sense, are always in battle. And one of the reasons that in Revelation that we have this vision of Jesus coming down from heaven is that he's bringing heaven to earth and that therefore has an effect upon these churches. Now remember, these churches in the book of Revelation find themselves in the midst of a crisis. There, there has been this breakout from the top of the Roman Empire downwards to actually demand that the church obeys the ways of the Roman Empire versus the way of Christ. But then this beautiful imagery that actually as the kingdom of God breaks in, that Jesus is present amongst his people. This imagery of the seven lampstands uh, is imagery, as we spoke about last week, from the temple. 
that actually had this image of God, Jesus, walking amongst these seven lampstands, that actually the people of God as the church are now His temple in the world. But the temple needs to be a holy place. And in the midst of this temple, God's presence dwells, but Jesus is coming And in Revelation, he comes to ensure that his people reflect what heaven looks like. This is a key, key point. Jesus is amongst the church, bringing judgment on those who resist his way and blessing on those who align with his will. So Jesus comes to the church. Renewal is Jesus coming to the church. But the reason he comes, the reason we see this angel is this this interlink between heaven and earth is so that the church will live up to who she is called to be, which is a reflection of heaven on earth. So, so many of our ideas of what the church should look like, when we look at it through this lens, we realize that so many of them are actually more driven by our own opinion than actually what Scripture is saying. All of us have an opinion of what churches should do to improve themselves. I'm sure there are many opinions out there of what Red should do. I probably have more of them than you do. And as leader, I continually have to submit what I think my will and my desire for what red should be to actually what is Jesus's vision for the church. And so I just want to give three things of how we do that as a church. The first one is the church thrives when it aligns with the agenda of heaven and God's heart for the church. Jesus comes And he comes at this moment, Revelation tells us that Jesus comes and he comes to actually remind us that the surest North Star, the surest plumb line for the church is to model who Jesus is, his character and his way. And we as the church must continually ask the question, how do we mirror the way of heaven? How do we mirror God's heart in the world? Now, I want to remind you of the situation that we find ourselves in. In the pre-COVID reality, often that responsibility would then be put on the leaders. How do the leaders then mirror what heaven looks like in the church? And there's still a reality. There's still a responsibility that leaders have to be good stewards and pastors and shepherds and leaders of their churches. But in this moment where power has been diffused, where we're seeing a true possibility of the priesthood of all believers, where Red Church is not meeting in one building, where this message is actually going out to all these households, is that there is this invitation that you truly are the church. The Greek word is ecclesia, this in a sense gathering of all these different people in a city who are the church. And the invitation in this moment of frustration where we just want to get back together and meet, of Zoom fatigue where we get to Sunday and we do, do we want to put on another screen, that the invitation in that moment is actually to step in and ask, how do I, as a royal priest of the risen Christ, align and be the church, even if that's just in my home, as a starting point? How do I be the church and reflect God's heart for the world. So if that's the invitation, 
How do we do that? What Terry Walling said in that video was, in the midst of transition, we can only learn the thing that needs to happen in that transition. We can only go to the next level if we do something. So my second point is, how do we then discover, we discover heaven's agenda and God's heart for the church through intimacy with him, through intimacy with him. What feels like a moment of being hemmed in, what feels like a moment of restriction, what feels like a moment of challenge is a time when so many things have dropped off. The amount of people have actually said to me, you know, quietly, I know that this pandemic is really hard and difficult, but there's part of me which is enjoying not having so many different things on. I'm not having so many social commitments or having to drive kids to this or that or feeling like I've got to live up to this image of what other people see of me. There is something where there has been a simplifying that has happened in this moment. And so there's a danger that comes with that. We can just fill that with new stuff. Okay, maybe we're not going to as many social things. Maybe we're not driving our kids to here or there. Maybe we're not, you know, having to catch up and go to every second party and work invitation uh, social event. But we can still fill it with just other stuff, endless binging on TV or whatever it may be. But there's a space that has been open at this time, which we may never see again in our lives. The pattern of your life has been profoundly broken. And we have an opportunity in the midst of this transition to then, as the church, discover a new pattern going forward. And so... We discover heaven's agenda and God's heart for the church through intimacy with him. You have an opportunity to weave that into your life. Red at this moment can't do what we used to be able to do. We can't meet and gather like we used to be able to do physically. But I believe in that space, that absence where what we used to be able to do existed, we now have a time for intimacy with him. And I just want to say For some of you who have time and options, that might be extended periods of time. For others who literally are maybe watching this, as I know many of you are, at 8 or 9 o'clock at night because you've finally got the kids home and you're watching this and you're almost falling asleep and you look at your house and there's kids' socks and toys everywhere and you're like, that's wonderful, Mark. Where do I find the time to do that? Thomas Kelly said that, that intimacy with God is in a sense an orientation of the heart. That in the midst of it, it's not even necessarily an hour to wander through the woods by yourself or an entire day of Sabbath where you just contemplate God's, you know, goodness in this meditative state. Many of us don't have those options, particularly at a time like this where there's extra pressures in the midst of a pandemic. But what it can be is walking with Jesus while ironing, while working, or even in between Zoom calls actually choosing to listen to him and realize that he's continually present with us. So many people I know at the moment have felt like their spiritual routines that existed before COVID-19 have actually been broken and God's doing a new thing at the moment. He wants to set patterns of intimacy to lay a foundation for Red Church that when we do come back, we come back stronger and more attuned to what he's saying and we follow just behind the Father in intimacy. And I know many of you will be hearing that saying, that's inspiring, I want a part of that, but how on earth do I do that? 
Sometimes I just don't have the ability. Sometimes I'm distracted. Sometimes I've got so much going on. There's so much pressure at the moment. Anxiety rises up. When you see there's more of a lockdown, we've just seen toilet paper again, you know, becoming a scarce item because there's that sense of worry that comes into our culture at a moment like this when we're not in control. Others are wondering, how do I do that when I'm wrestling with doubt or anger or broken relationships or concern about what's happening in the wider world? Angels are so important and given to churches because what angels are are ministers of God's help in the world. Elijah, running from his enemies, pursued and harassed as someone trying to follow God in the midst of the wilderness is ministered to by an angel. Jesus, in the wilderness, even Jesus was ministered to by angels. Point three is that the angels of the church show us heaven's help is close at hand. The angels of the church show us that heaven's help is close at hand. At a moment like this, when our power has disappeared, where we can't do things like we used to be able to do, where we're hemmed in, where we're restricted, where in a sense we're locked down, there is an opportunity in the midst of this transition to understand that actually all we need is heaven's help, that we can't do this in our own strength, but that's why God provides spiritual help and the Father is continually saying, just turn to me. I want to help you. I want to give my children good things. And so, this couple of verses point to this extremely important reality that there is this spiritual dimension to the church, which often we forget, that we as the church are called to reflect God's glory and His way in the world. And at a moment like this, in the midst of this pandemic, there's this invitation. If you'd said to me a year ago that this would happen globally, that red could not meet, that all these things that we usually did and we just kept doing them in these continual patterns, that we couldn't do them, I would have wondered whether the church would fall over, that many churches would fall over. But you know what? I've realized the church is not going to fall over. That actually scripture tells us that, you know, the gates of hell cannot prevail against the church. Rather, the question is, is not will the church survive this? The church will survive. God will continue his church. The real issue is, are we going to align ourselves as you meet and worship in your home as we meet scattered in this moment as red church the church in melbourne the church in the world are we going to align ourselves with heaven's way god will always sustain his church jesus is bringing history to his ends will we align with what god is doing i know this moment is hard and tough and many people feel isolated and weary of this But God is not going to let his church fall over. And in the midst of that that moment of frustration, there is an invitation to alignment with him. So I don't know what the future holds, but I know who I'm following. And he holds the keys to the future in his hands. And he is good. And I don't know what red looks like when we come up on the other side. But I believe God wants us to flourish, not just to survive, 
but to thrive. So keep going, keep persevering, keep holding on to hope. There is something special happening in this moment. Let's reflect heaven on earth. Let's truly be the church. I'm going to pray. God, we humbly come before you. This pandemic's gone from theory to reality. We recognize that we're in a long haul moment. We recognize too that our culture has made us distracted. All of us in some way are slaves to the cult of instant gratification. But this thing is challenging us. We at the moment feel times of isolation. We feel times of disconnection. There's a sense with Red where we just want to gather again, where some of us have been able to keep going for a period here, but now it's getting tough. It's getting real. And in this moment, we want to just recognize that we're your church, that we don't have to do it in our own strength, that actually all our different opinions and visions of what church should be like, all of them need to be put down at this point in time. And instead, we want to follow you, Jesus. We want to follow you as Lord of our church. We thank you that you've placed angels above the churches. Heaven's help is close at hand. May our church reflect the character and person of Jesus. May we reflect the character and person of Jesus. The church scattered at this moment, being little embassies, little households of your kingdom all across Melbourne and beyond. May your Holy Spirit fill us at this time. Energize those who are feeling depleted. Give peace to those who are worrying. Bring heaven's help to those who need it, so that we may be that light on a hill, so that others may come to know you as Christ and Lord. Be with us. Help us step into this call to be the church, we pray in your name. Amen.